united as one. And then Jesus prays for us in John 17, 21 to 23. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you loved each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. I love what Brian Simmons says in the footnotes. On, uh, for verse 22. It is important to note that the key to unity among believers is experiencing the glory of God that Jesus has imparted to us. As one with God through faith in Christ, he shares his glory with us. So we are not another, but we have been made one with the triune God through the blood of Jesus. We're in him and he's in us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and so are we. All authority was given to him, and it's been given to us. And in Matthew 16, 19, it talks a bit about, I've given you authority to bind on earth those things that are bound in heaven. If it's not in heaven, you've had the, you have the authority to, to bind it and to lose. If it's not in heaven, you bind it. If it is in heaven, you can lose it down here on earth. So we have authority. So when we see the attack of the enemy coming, you can sit there and you can take it and try and weather it or you can stand and, hey, hang on, this isn't, this isn't of God. You, you can rebuke it. Don't let the enemy come and steal your peace. You've probably heard the old saying, divide and conquer. And that is what the enemy tries to do. He'll try and divide and conquer. He'll get you so isolated that you just won't want to go out anywhere. You'll stay home. No, I'm not going. And that's his plan. He'll take you out and then he'll keep you out. So one of the... Here are just some examples of how the enemy works sometimes. Distraction. Now, I have a confession to make. When TikTok came out, <laughs> I know, I know. But it was fun. There was some really good stuff on TikTok. Like, but then I found I could not put it down. It was like flicking, flicking, flicking. And I would spend hours doing that. It was like, and then I got to the point where, no, I was losing so much time. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit came along and said, if you spent half as much time with me as you did with TikTok, you'd be pretty good by now. And so it was a nice bit of a rebuke. And so my challenge was, and it took me a few times to delete it, like you delete it, and then Chantel, she was sending TikToks, and then when you open them up, you've got to open up the app, or there's an invitation to open the app up. Ah, oh, okay, just one won't hurt. So I opened it up, and I have a giggle, but then I'm back into it, flicking again. And I've got no idea how long this went on for, but it was too long. And I have been free for, I reckon it's... <laughs> I have been free for about a month now. <laughs> and so I've got to spend a lot more time with the Lord. Thank, thank you, Jesus. 
Um, so he'll come in and he'll try and steal your time and distract, distract you. Hey? Another one is unforgiveness. Now, again, this is my testimony. And this is, okay, this is going back a long time and I was a baby Christian. But there was one guy that worked in the printing industry with me and he was one of the managers there and he only had to walk out into the plant and say, let's say this is him walking into the plant room and he'd, and he'd lean on this guard railing like this and he'd just eyeball me and, and I wanted, seriously, I wanted to jump the machine, go over and just, I wanted to smack him. Big time. And this went on for quite a while. And every time he came out, that was it. I just wanted to do everything. I had to go. I'd go to the toilet or something. But then the Holy Spirit said, why don't you pray for him? Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I'm only a new Christian, so I didn't know how to pray. And then over a period of time, the Lord showed me, and I, oh, this is the prayer I prayed, Lord, change my heart attitude towards him and change his heart attitude towards me. Now, I can't give you a length of time that from that point to the next point where I came, I, I was leaning on this guardrail, this guy, Eric Trues, is his name, very nice guy now, he's leaning on this right alongside me, and it was, again, it was like the Holy Spirit went, Look who you're standing next to. And I looked at him and it was just like a penny drop that all of that anger, all of that bitterness and hatred was gone. And it was simply through that, that little prayer of change my heart and change his heart towards me. And it, and it was so good. So, yeah, I'm blessed. <laughs> so unforgiveness is another tool that he'll use to try and separate, separate us, divide us. Another one is disappointment. Now, again, my own testimony. So when we first gave our hearts to the Lord, the church we're going to, there were a lot of people in the church and they're all promising things. Oh, we'll have you out, we'll take you out, we'll do this, we'll do that. And nothing ever happened. And I'm thinking, hang on, these guys are supposed to be Christians. Why are they saying all this stuff and not following through? And so now I'm building up a bit of a, a case against them and again the Lord got hold of me and he just challenged me to take my eyes off them and focus them back on him and it didn't take too much longer before things started to change and because my heart attitude changed well maybe I was displaying a little bit of something I don't know but we started getting invites and the relationship started to improve and to build again so yeah, disappointment is another one. And the last one, I've, I've covered a little bit, but the uh, isolation and withdrawal. Some, it, it's just so real where there were times where I couldn't be back, mainly back in Adelaide long before we started travelling around. Um, I, did, I couldn't be bothered going to church. Like, no, I'd rather stay home and do things. And I'd look for excuses or I'd do an overtime shift on a Sunday. So I didn't realise at the time, but that was the, the enemy coming in. <laughs> it was double time, I mean. <laughs> it was the enemy coming in and, and just starting to drive a wedge 
in to, to separate me from the rest of the church. And in doing that, Sharon would still go, she was going, regardless of whether I went or not, I'm going. And there were times when I, when I felt my worst that I did not want to go. They were the times when I received the greatest breakthrough. There was something that the devil knew I was going to hear and was going to set me free. And he would do what he could to stop me from getting there and receiving that. So every now and then we may go through circumstances. And it's difficult when you're by yourself. It's difficult if you don't have that close circle of friends that you can trust, that you can come in alongside and share your heart without any fear of being judged or anything else. You can share it and be encouraged and literally raised up. Yeah? So we've all been through that sort of stuff. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm, so when those circumstances come, thoughts start invading your mind, don't they? And they preoccupy. It's like you've got a little bird sitting on your shoulder constantly reminding you of the things that are not quite right and who's done this and who's done that. So all those offences, whatever it is, are constantly being raised up. Thoughts which are difficult to ignore. And, um, yeah, the aim of the enemy is to use the circumstances to cause division. If he can put disunity into the body and get isolate you, get you out, and, man, he, he's, he's winning. But if we stay one step ahead, and we can do that, we've got the Holy Spirit, so we're, it's more than able... Oh, thank you, Father. The aim of the enemy is to use these circumstances to prevent us from entering into God's throne room. So when we come to church, we're sitting here and we're thinking about the offence or whatever it is. All these things are going through our, through our minds. So if we haven't dealt with them before we come to church, then they're going to still be there playing over and over and over. And meanwhile... It's like we've got a dozen angels standing out the front beckoning us to come on in, come on in, jump in. The water's fine. But we're sitting there turning over all the events of the week or all the offences, whatever it is. We're churning over that which stops us from entering in. So the point of this whole conversation is if we could get to the point where we could deal with any offence, the moment it happens... How good would that be? Then we will enter in. Instead of sitting in the courtyard listening to the worship and, and the singing and singing along the songs, we can enter into the throne room and heaven and experience heaven coming to earth. Does that make sense? So the devil wants us not to enter into the fullness of what God has got for us, especially when we come to church. Even when the word has been spoken, you'll be sitting here and your mind is drifting. And I, I'm going to tell the truth here. I have been known to fall asleep during the preaching in church. I know, it's bad, it's bad. I could use the shift work <laughs> ticket, but I, I, I won't. I just, I guess, yeah, I just didn't wake up to the fact that it was a tool the enemy was using, hey? 
Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> ah. So how do we move from the courtyard and into the throne room? What do we do? How do we get there? I think we all know. But um, here's a couple of scriptures. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Yeah? Philippians 4, the Passion Translation, 1 through to 6, I think it is. My dear and precious friends whom I deeply love, you have truly become my glorious joy and crown of reward. Now arise in the fullness of your union with our Lord. And I plead with him. You die? You die? Plead with him. I can't pronounce it. And Syntep to settle the disagreement and be restored with one mind in our Lord. I would like my dear friend and burden bearer to help resolve this issue, for both women have diligently laboured with me for the prize and helped in spreading the revelation of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. All of their names are written in the book of life. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow and let gentleness be seen in every relationship for our Lord is near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God and overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic, and real, honourable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Put into practice the example of all that I have heard from all you have heard from me or seen in my life, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. You know there's one scripture, if, the, if we could memorize one scripture, and I think when these little things, when the offenses or whatever it is, pops up, I've done it and it's working for me and it just may, I'll just put it out there, it may work for you. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 1. What is love? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. When the enemy comes at you, and you're starting to feel a little bit annoyed, just remember, what is love? And the person who you're becoming annoyed at, it'll just fall away. Okay. 
Ah, thank you, Lord. So remember what love looks like. Be quick to lay down any offence and stand firm in his grace. If we can come to church and leave all the worries of the world, all the offences, deal with them when they occur. Don't carry them around and definitely don't churn them over in your mind or in your heart. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to uh, die. It doesn't do you any good. If we can get to the point where we deal with these things when they happen immediately, come back to love, and you'll find that you'll just, it, it, it's not eternal. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And then if you can practice it out there, when you come in here, just maybe, maybe we'll experience heaven on earth and we will hear angelic realm singing and we will start seeing more and more signs, miracles and wonders when we come together and in spirit and in truth, united as one. Thank you.